Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are reading pretty much entirely in the book of Isaiah, and we have some really interesting and powerful conversations in store for us, I'm sure, as we deal with some of probably the most heard and known prophecies that we commonly use when we're talking about Jesus. So I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Becky Clark. Chris Winterman. So join us as we go deeper. Well, I once again have my trusty, rusty cup of coffee here. Don't drink out of it if it's rusty. It's really not rusty. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As we embark on our trip through this second week of prophecies about a savior, and we find ourselves totally in the book of Isaiah this week. And if you have listeners out there, if you have done the Isaiah Bible study with Sandy Richter, then a lot of this you probably already are familiar with, uh, and you'll understand some of the the cultural and historical backgrounds. So I I imagine, Becky, you're going to kind of touch on that or at least kind of go into some of that for us. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, because the book of Isaiah is a really, I think, a very difficult book to read, um, and it's got lots of, um, uh, not hindrances, it's just got some, it's got some difficult things as yeah. a part of it when people read it. And mm-hmm. so it can be intimidating. So we're going to try to shed some light on that. And yeah, I'm just stealing everything from Sandy Richter. Sure. She's, and, and that's, she's my teacher. That's and totally I just, fine. I just give you all her information. Yeah. And I, I think I, when I, we, our small group did the Isaiah study, was that been two years ago now, I think? Somewhere uh, in there? Maybe three. Uh, maybe okay. three but, years. It's a little older. Yeah. So it's been around for a couple few years now. Um, but... I was shocked and I not maybe shocked is too strong of a word. I was surprised, I'll say that, to to hear somebody who really knows Sandy Richter, really knows the history and the timeline mm-hmm. of when all this stuff was happening say, "Hey, guess what? These prophecies weren't originally written about Jesus." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, what no wait a second. Wait. What?" Yeah, not all of them. Not all. <laughs> which, not which a bunch of them all are. Of them. Yes, yes. But I think there there are a bunch of them that also had double. They have double, double meanings. Double yeah. meanings. They have double meanings. Multiple used, applications. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're used in. Uh, they're in the Book of Isaiah, and then our New Testament authors will pull pull some of them mm-hmm. to describe um, John the Baptist and the Messiah, right. what Jesus, uh, what's what's happening. And so they become um, messianic. And in some ways it's unfortunate that we n- know that Jesus is applied to some of them because mm-hmm. we read into that when we read Isaiah. And that's not the original intent of, of some of them, though it does apply. And mm-hmm. so you kind of miss some of the meaning um, of the original when we just read Jesus into certain things. Yeah. Um, so we ha- you have to read with the intent to understand of the culture and all that. So I want to say right. Isaiah is the most quoted book in the New Testament, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? That's, yeah. the, that's, that's the most quoted Old Testament book or most right. cited yeah. yep. either way. Mm-hmm. Which, which says a lot about 
what Jesus and what the biblical authors, yeah, mm-hmm. w- what weight they gave to Isaiah's writing, and, mm-hmm. and Isaiah, it, 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 it stands a little unique among the Old Testament prophetic books because it, it, like you said, it kind of goes all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's not just one genre of writing; mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's various genres. Yep. So it's it's really hard to pin down. And when you really get the cultural context, that's it. if you're going to read a book of the Bible and you really, really want to understand it, go back and read everything you can about what was going on yep. in that day, mm-hmm. because it grounds all of that in a reality that's really painful. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I see on Becky's Bible here, uh, she's got the Sandy Richter timeline. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which in last week's episode, I was talking about putting your Old Testament closet in order yep. by either reading or doing the Epic of Eden study. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where this timeline that Becky has sitting on the table here, mm-hmm. that's where that came from. And it, it really applies this week specifically with the book of Isaiah. Yeah. So um, the book of Isaiah, let's just, let's just talk about kind of the structure of the book Mm -hmm. of Isaiah real quick. That'll, that'll help to kind of, if you were going to break the book of Isaiah down, the easiest way to do it is you've got the former things and the latter things. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the easiest chapter one through 39 is what you consider the former things. And in chapter one through 39, you have Isaiah talking about what's happening in the Southern kingdom. Mm -hmm. We've got King Ahaz is a pretty significant person. Um, King Hezekiah is a pretty significant person. Um, How they're protecting the people of God. Remember, we're already to the split of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So we're down in the South. Um, Unfortunately, not long after Isaiah is written, the whole Northern kingdom gets taken over by the Assyrians yeah, and decimated. Yeah, they basically just go away. And we lose 10 of the tribes. Yeah. Um, but that's the threat in the Southern Kingdom, the Assyrians are, are the threat during the time of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. The latter part or the later things is really chapter 40 and beyond. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty between the first part of the book and the second part of the book is the the tone of things change. And that's where a lot Mm -hmm. of the language changes too and where it feels like a lot of the writing changes as well. So it's believed that, well, lots of people believe different things about the book of Isaiah. Some people say there's three different authors. Some people say that it's all Isaiah and it's all like a collection of his sermons but someone has come in and edited it and said, okay, this is a timeline. This first half of the book is the timeline of, of things that have happened in his sermons during. The rest of the book are sermons that he had that, that really um, are much more applicable for when the people mm-hmm. go into captivity, but the people don't even go into captivity until the time of the prophet of Jeremiah, right. way after yeah. Isaiah has yeah. died. So these Which, are very prophetic yeah. sermons yeah. Uh-huh. that that we have in the second half of the book. It's it's interesting that we read Jeremiah last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, prepping for this, and yeah. it's like we're we're hopping, you know, yeah, yeah. back and forward. I don't, I don't really know why mm-hmm. the the reading plan did it that way, but it's it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Well, and the bits that we're reading, they're they're appropriate in the order that they're coming, right? Especially if you have either like a study book like this, or you have some kind of devotional material to, mm-hmm. I guess, guide you in what you're reading. Yeah, and I've found that it. Even the real basic version Bible app, mm-hmm. little daily devotional that goes before your reading, 
it's helpful for you to put a frame of reference on, around, yeah. okay, why am I reading this today? Yeah. Um, more so than just why would I read this period. Right. Uh, but so, so what we're here for right now is we're going to say, this is like the meat of this passage. And so why mm -hmm. we may be looking right. forward to Jesus, uh, next week. <laughs> so yeah, we so while we're, week. while we're, while we're big view, yeah. mm -hmm. big, big, we're not honing in just yet. I have a question for you. The theological question. Okay. So in the Old Testament times, the prophet traveled. The prophet was the mouthpiece of God. The mm -hmm. prophet spoke from God to the people. Right. Right. And you didn't change those words. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and there were there there were false prophets yes. who mm -hmm. would say things are good that are evil. Uh -huh. Things are evil that are good. And and judgment came upon them. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and the priest spoke for the people to God. Right. Yes. Okay. So Jesus fulfills the role of the high priest uh -huh. for us. There's, there's no longer now no mediator. We, we don't need the priest to speak to God for mm -hmm. us. We have direct right. access. Jesus is the king. Jesus also is prophet, prophet, priest, and king. Mm -hmm. So there are those who believe that the office of prophet, as it stood in the New Testament, or the Old Testament, rather, is now, because of the day of Pentecost, is now closed. Okay. How do you feel about that? Oh gosh, this, this is not in the readings of Isaiah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, it, it's an interesting concept though, because well, the, the, the prophet, priest, and king was, I mentioned this last week, uh, in last week's episode, that was a part of the theocracy. Yep. They were three political offices held right. by humans as a part of the governmental system. And in our post-resurrection reality, that's a phrase I like using. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, in our reality that, that happens as soon as Jesus dies, three days resurrects, mm -hmm. we're now no longer concerned about the nation of Israel. We are now mm -hmm. concerned about the kingdom of God, which is the new, global. The new Israel is all those in the family of God. Everybody, now. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You so, had a sermon about that at some point, I think. I think you did. Uh, it is considered that John the Baptist is the last prophet of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus fulfills all three roles. Um, and past that, then the, who, who would follow Jesus anyway? Nobody, yeah. Nobody's going to be the right mm -hmm. prophet, priest, or king to follow Jesus. But the New Testament also talks about the gifts. Of the gift the, of the, prophecy. The gift mm -hmm. of prophecy that the Spirit gives. And I believe that that is something that is still prevalent mm -hmm. and relevant right. today. So um, while I don't think necessarily, I'm being truly careful about this, I would need to think more about, but I don't think that uh, the role of the prophet is needed any longer because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Mm -hmm. We talk directly to God mm -hmm. now. We don't need a mediator yeah. between mm -hmm. us. And, and God can speak directly to us. Right. Um, but then there is also the gift of prophecy, meaning mm -hmm. that God can give someone that gift and the words to speak to the people of God. And the whole role mm -hmm. of, of that gift is that it needs to be heard mm -hmm. by an individual or a community right. for the furthering of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So I would say, no, there's no need for the prophet because does, does God then speak us. to nations prophetically? I think God can do whatever he wants to. I mean, if he, if he <laughs> gives someone the, the message and the, mm -hmm. and the place to go and they're obedient mm -hmm. to it, then yes, I think that he can speak, but there is, 
just as in the Old Testament and the New Testament of of beware of um, those who dress themselves as prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, false, um, false. As false prophets. Warnings about false prophets right. are yeah. consistent in the New Testament. Message yeah. that is given by someone who says that it's prophetic needs to be a message that lines up with the character of God and the scripture that we know about God so that, mm-hmm. and if it aligns, then I would say, and mm-hmm. it furthers his kingdom, then I would say it is a true prophecy. If it is shady, then it needs to be questioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. does that answer your question? Sure. Well, you just throwing yeah. out the grenades here. That's <laughs> not an idea. That's a good question, though, because uh, our our modern understanding and worldview is lacking so much understanding mm-hmm. of the just the day to day life. And world of the ancient Near East and the, the the nation of Israel and all that. Yep. So being able to forcing ourselves to think in that way, mm-hmm. I think, is really helpful. I think that's a good question, Chris. Mm-hmm. So I want to know your 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 response to that, your comments on that. <laughs> I'm talking to the camera, to the audience here. <laughs> you I want to know see us. <laughs> yeah, if you're only listening, I'm asking you listener out there, what do you think about yep. the role and the office of the prophet? Yep. Share your thoughts with us. All right, let's roll back to Isaiah. Yeah. You can, you can feel uh-huh. free to ask other provoking questions as well. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to the first set, the first portion of the book of Isaiah, because that's where some of our readings for this week come from. We read out of chapter seven and chapter nine. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the other things that you need to understand about the book of Isaiah is in the first part of the book, uh, Isaiah is addressing the first servant, which is Israel. God mm-hmm. has chosen the people of God to be his, to be his servant, to be his uh, messengers mm-hmm. to the nation, right? Mm-hmm. The second half of the book, 40, chapter 40 and beyond, is the fact that um, the first servant has failed and can't seem to get their act together. Yeah. And there will be a second servant, a final servant. And that's where you find the majority of the prophecies mm-hmm. for Jesus. And I think Isaiah is one of the, uh, the books that is the most filled with the prophecies of it Jesus. Is, yeah. What contained in one book, there's right. tons of other prophecies in the old Testament, but I think Isaiah has the most kind of well, compact it's, of it, them. It's the, the most book, dense population. Yes. It's mm-hmm. the book that Jesus read from in the temple right. and said, today you've, seen that's right you've that's right and that's one of our readings for this week yeah it's uh, towards the end of the week mm-hmm. i think so yeah so you continually have to pardon me for not knowing the exact but words it, but it, and it's you know. and it's interesting to me though that jesus would reference isaiah the most mm-hmm. yet when the jews they think of the law they think of moses they think of the prophet they think of they elijah. Think elijah yeah so uh-huh. it's it's fascinating to me that they don't think of isaiah as the one who represents the prophet. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were to put the two of them uh, uh, up against each other, in some ways, I think Elijah would win surely because um, he seems to be so bold yeah. And he's uh, brash, and, and Isaiah is and not as much of that. He kills a bunch of prophets of Baal. He kills a bunch of prophets of Baal. But, 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 but see, Isaiah is saying, but wait, does he have his own book? No, <laughs> he does not. He does not. And, and Isaiah has a big book. It Checkmate. is the, the biggest. Actually, a lot of people consider to be consider Isaiah to be the fifth gospel. 
mm-hmm. which I think is a really way, a neat it's way an to interesting, look at huh. Isaiah. Interesting. It is the fifth gospel. Interesting um, term. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the pre-gospel. Pre, pre-gospel gospel, uh-huh. yes. And Jesus quotes uh, significantly from Isaiah, right. and so do all four of the uh, the gospel it's the, writers. It's, it, it's the Silmarillion of the gospels. Oh, now we're getting ultra nerd here. <laughs> nerd deep. Okay, I don't, I don't know that's, what that means. that's one like, if you know what the Silmarillion is, sil, say it. Silmarillion. One, if you know what it is, you have to give us a like. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay. It's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> that's, that's for the literature nerds. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about Isaiah chapter 7 just a little bit because there's mm-hmm. something really ha- interesting that happens in uh, chapter 7. And it is a scripture that is definitely associated with Christ. But there's mm-hmm. some different things that happen within this uh, scripture that I want to talk about. So in chapter seven through 12, uh, mostly is talking about Ahaz, the Mm -hmm. king Ahaz and Isaiah. And Ahaz has a problem because the Northern Kingdom um, has kind of aligned themselves to some degree with Assyria. And they're just really trying to protect themselves because Assyria is the superpower and it's coming in. Mm -hmm. And so what they think they need to do is they need to take over the Southern kingdom as well. And they need to remove Ahaz and they need to put somebody else on the throne. That way they have control of the Southern kingdom and they feel like then they can defeat the Assyrians. Mm -hmm. So this is the situation that's going on in chapter seven and the chapters after. Isaiah is sent by God to talk to Ahaz. Remember, Ahaz is the set king for the people of God right now. Okay, when is right now? Uh, We are in like 740 or 30, something like that. Um, Around about that. And uh, 734, yes. BC. See, that's what, yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So Isaiah goes to Ahaz with a message and says, I have a message from God. But the problem is that Ahaz is not very interested in God. And so he kind of says, no, thanks, not interested, making my own plans. So what you're saying is not all of the kings of Israel (laughs) and the nation of Judah, not all of them were good people. Most of them were not good people and were all about themselves. That's right. I mentioned that last week. Which is a sad fact because (laughs) they were supposed to be the representative of the kingship for the people of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Failing. Significantly, so Ahaz says, "No thanks. I don't. I don't want to really hear from from God. I've kind of got my own thing." Mm-hmm. And Isaiah says, "No, no, 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 no. You're going to need to listen. Here's the message, and this is what Chapter Seven is about. And it talks about um, in Chapter Seven. I'm going to read you. Um, Let me guess. Look, that we're going to yeah. read in verse 14, starting in oh, verse 14. 14. We'll just start there a little bit. Okay. Um, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before those whose two kings are in dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring to you and to your people and on your ancestral house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're all familiar, right? With the first part of that. The young woman will give child, have Mm -hmm. a child name, name him Emmanuel. We think of Jesus. Right. Okay. Well, here's the biggest surprise. Um, he, he, Isaiah is not referring to Emmanuel right here. The whole point of this passage for Ahaz is um, 
the age of the of the child. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this. If you yeah. do the study and Sandy Richter, really, I'm just giving you all her information. This is nothing new. She's smarter than me. Um, so <laughs> as she explains it. At least you're honest. It, really what Isaiah and what the Lord is saying to Ahaz is, if you will trust me, if you will lean mm-hmm. into me, even though these kings in the north are plotting against you, and even though Assyria is looking big and bad and we're worried about it, um, if you will trust me now, then in about 10 to 12 years, like right now, as I'm talking to you, there's a woman who's giving birth to, mm-hmm. to a boy. In about 10 to 12 years, when he becomes old enough in the the Israelite understanding of maturity is about 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. When you really understand, really understand the concept of good and evil and right and wrong. When that kid turns about that age, none of this will be anything that you need to worry about anymore. It will all be gone. I will have wiped it all away. You will have no more worries and the kingdom of God that you are ruling over uh, for me will have lots more prosperity. You just need to trust me because I am with you, Mm -hmm. Emmanuel. That's what Emmanuel means, that I am with you. So it's, God is kind of stating, this woman's going to have this son right now. She's going to name him, I am with you. The Lord is with you, and mm-hmm. I will continue to be with you. And if you will trust me, mm-hmm. then everything will get taken care of. Yeah, That's what this initially means right. this passage of scripture. But when we get to Matthew and we, and I think we read Matthew mm-hmm. next week, next maybe week I think we, we read, read, I think we read this passage next in this, week. Anyway. You, we read Luke, Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Luke. Right. So Matthew takes this scripture from Isaiah mm-hmm. and he pulls it and he says, and now there was a woman who gave birth to a son mm-hmm. And his name is God is with us. Mm-hmm. And he will be the one, if you will trust, who will mm-hmm. save us yeah. and will set everything to right. Yeah. So he, he kind of uses this and pulls it and says, see, it was applicable then. And it's applicable now. Yeah. This is what God planned to do and asked Ahaz to do to trust him. But this is also what God is doing with the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, it was it was metaphorical then. Uh-huh. And it's with Christ, it's literal, it's concrete. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. <clears throat> the problem is in the story of Ahaz, Ahaz hears the message and goes, Nah. And what he does instead is he aligns himself with the Assyrians mm-hmm. to protect himself from the northern kingdom. Probably not a good plan. Very bad idea because eventually the kingdom, we mm-hmm. the southern kingdom gets carted off by not the Assyrians, but the Babylonians yeah. uh, because they defeat the Assyrians. But it was a really bad alignment. Mm-hmm. It, it took us, started to take us down, the people of God down a pretty bad road Yeah, because Ahaz didn't trust God. Mm-hmm. Ahaz didn't trust that God was with him and would protect he and his people um, and that it, everything was going to be okay. That's the whole point. Right. Trust God. Mm-hmm. Trust God because he has a plan. So, well, so if you can wrap all of it up. <laughs> it would just be that. Trust God. Right. Well, the, 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 the heart of what sin is, is an unwillingness to trust God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, yep. did God really say? Yeah. 
So, okay, I'm going to do my own thing now. Yeah. And he I mean, said. We go all the way back to the beginning, and mm-hmm. when, we, mm-hmm. when we hear that phrase, did God really say, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. snap. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a pretty interesting thing about chapter seven, mm-hmm. which is we read it with Jesus, the intent of Jesus. Even when we go back to Isaiah, mm-hmm. that's how we read it. Yeah. But that wasn't the original intent of the message. Mm-hmm. The original intent of the message was a metaphor for Ahaz to hear if he would just trust mm-hmm. before yeah. long, all and of this the, will get done. And the child uh-huh. is him trusting God in that's the right. state of the kingdom. That's yeah. right. That's It's the representation of what God is doing, mm-hmm. right, right, in right. this child right, kind of thing. And so it's almost like God said, all right, so I'm going to give you this metaphor. And then it was like, okay, fine. You didn't get it. Okay. I'm going to have to do it for real this time. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Cause it, in the, the scripture, it means in the Isaiah passage, young mm-hmm. woman really just means young woman of marriageable age. Right. When Matthew uses it mm-hmm. in his gospel account, he changes the mm-hmm. language and young woman becomes a young virgin. Okay. What so interesting. Young woman of marriageable age that kind of right. never been married before. That's the intent kind of thing. Interestingly so he adjusts enough. the word just to hear because he knows the story. Yeah. Well, and, and what my Strong's definition of the word that Isaiah is using, the Hebrew word, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it, even (laughs) though it's a fairly simple one. But the note here says that there's no instance where it can be proved that this word designates a young young woman who is not a virgin. Yeah. So basically what what is being said here by the prophet Isaiah is that Mm you would understand it. Yep. If you were hearing this, you would understand that this word means, oh, it's a young woman who would inherently be a virgin. Right. So, I mean, Matthew just applies yeah. it directly to the the story that we know of how Jesus came to be. Yeah. And it's- The miracle it's, of that. Yeah. It yeah. is one of the potential pitfalls of trying to put our worldview into the language and the context right. of well, a, a woman biblical the, authors. In, in those days, once you hit the age where you could start having kids, you get married right away. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you can't waste any time. Uh-huh. Yep. So, th- yeah, that's, that's a logical flow. Yeah. And Matthew's gospel being written to a Jewish audience, mm-hmm. yep. it's supremely important for him from the get-go yeah. to make these strong connections. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, he's got to gain the credibility with with his audience. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to I move. I'm just moving us all around. Go for I'm, it. I'm in I charge was, of this whole podcast today. I was going to ask you. All right, Becky, you're the, moving you're the boss. on. You're the boss. <laughs> the <laughs> Becky Clark. Mm-hmm. We're going to move past um, chapter nine's reading. It's sure. still in the mix of all the Ahaz stuff, and yeah. there's some really beautiful things in there. Mm-hmm. But um, we're going to we're just going to highlight a few things from the the second half of the book, which is our later in the week readings, Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of paint a picture for you. So in chapter 42, um, probably one of the most, well, 42 is one of the most known um, servant songs, Mm -hmm. servant, uh, you know, kind of things. And so um, in chapter 42, remember we're talking about now the new servant to come. We're talking about the, the servant who mm-hmm. is going to actually get it right because Israel can't seem 
to get it right. And what chapter 42, uh, all the way through 33, which I think we read chapter 33, and then some people add in chapter 61, which is what we read at the end of the week. Oh, 53. 53, mean, right. Yeah. Um, are all considered uh-huh. to be servant songs. There's supposed to be five of them. And yeah. they talk about the characteristics of this servant who's mm-hmm. going to save us. Yeah, our language here is much more poetic. It is much it. more poetic it, because um, it's, it's painting, yes, it's painting this picture. Mm-hmm. And the people of God at this time who are hearing these words are probably quite confused. Um, don't They don't understand. We can read them now and we understand, mm-hmm. but they don't understand what this latter servant possibly can be. And, um, and, and by the time, they think that by the time a lot of the second half of the book is um, talked about and read continuously, they are in exile. Mm-hmm. And they're referring back to Isaiah's passages because it's the hope that they need. Mm-hmm. Because they're in Babylon, they've lost everything. Jerusalem has been decimated. Their land has been decimated. They are carted off. They're refugees and they need hope. And so the words of the second half of Isaiah are the hope that God has something more for them. Mm-hmm. He's got a promise that he's working towards for them. And that's what they have to hold on to. Right. So the these are the servant songs. These are the things that, that tell us characteristics of the servant. And the the first thing is in uh, chapter 42 is that the servant um, will bring God's justice and it'll bring the light for the mm-hmm. Gentiles. Um, and so the light bearer, the servant is a light bearer. Mm-hmm. Um, in chapter 49, which we don't read this week, uh, the servant is one who will see and hear clearly. Mm-hmm because the Israelites can't see and hear nothing. They're, 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 they couldn't see and hear the prophet's warnings. Mm-hmm. They didn't hear Jeremiah's warnings when Jeremiah was yelling at them that they needed to turn back to God, that if they didn't, then the covenantal curse was going to be enacted and they were going to lose their land and a lot of them were gonna lose their lives and they were gonna be carted off, yeah. right? And, and very difficult to be called the people of God. Um, so, the new servant will see and hear clearly. God's voice, do God's will, will see and hear. Uh, chapter 50 talks about the new servant's gonna obey faithfully and they will know Yahweh. Again, the people of God did not obey faithfully. And then in chapter 52 and 53, which we read towards the end of this week, that the servant's death will deliver people from their failures. Yeah and he will be exalted rather than be destroyed. There is no way that a sacrifice or a person up to this point, their death could absolve everyone of right. their sin. What I appreciated about the readings for this week was it really takes you through the whole story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's your, uh, your full trailer not your teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your full trailer for what the life and ministry of Jesus is going to be all the way to the end. Right. And if if you're hearing this, and you know, I put myself or, or try to put myself in the place of the people who would be hearing this, because this would likely be read. I'm assuming it would be read in the temple. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah was read a lot in the temple. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're like, you're, you're getting this preview of what's going to come, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I, one thing that impresses me continually about the, the faithful Jews mm-hmm. of the Old Testament and even in New Testament times is that they remained expectant mm-hmm. and hopeful for the Messiah to come. And you're seeing it and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you're not talking about, oh, it's going to be, you know, in my lifetime. These people, it was their grandchildren's grandchildren's, their, their great, 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 great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Yep. That got yep. to experience it. But they still had the hope for it. And that that hope and that expectancy was so much a part of their culture mm-hmm. because of the words of people like the prophet Isaiah. And that's why the gospel writers made such a point mm-hmm. to connect back to this, yeah. saying, look, your hope is fulfilled. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you talk about the, the Messiah, the servant being a light. Mm-hmm. And how does John's gospel open? Mm-hmm. He's the light of the, I mean, saying, look, this is the one. And, you know, with, um, with, with no disrespect intended to those who still follow strict Judaism mm-hmm. and not being a Jew. So I, I, I want to tread lightly. Sure, However, yeah. I, I have trouble understanding how a person can be a faithful Jew and read the scriptures and the prophecies and mm-hmm. then see Jesus and say, now nah, he's not the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, to me, it just, it doesn't compute because mm-hmm. Jesus fulfills how many Old Testament prophecies? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I know just- I there's a number. It's, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's in it abundance. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just the number, it's the way he fulfills them so directly, right. mm-hmm. so powerfully. Yeah. The way that strong Jews like Matthew or those writing under the name of Matthew would mm-hmm. say, look, there's, there's no room for doubt here mm-hmm. that Jesus of Nazareth is the one that was foretold to come. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what I was about to say, but it, <laughs> you know, I, I, yes, yes. That's, I think that's sums mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Okay. So, so, Podcast suggestion for the future. I would love to get a messianic Jew here mm-hmm. one day on a podcast to talk more in depth about that. Sure. Because they can speak to this at a level that we just can't understand. Right. Yeah. Sure. And that, 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 that mm-hmm. I would tune into that episode, Kyle. You would tune into that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that there is, there is likely just something about, um, uh, the the understanding of how you were raised and what you've read in scripture mm-hmm. in Judaism, if you're not a Messianic Jew, that, I mean, the people of God missed it too. I mean, the, the people mm-hmm. of God, when Jesus came, had just had their minds so much on a particular way that Jesus needed to be. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't that because he wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't the attractive King David that was kind of set up as the, you know, mm-hmm the epitome, this, this King who was, um, probably, he was probably extroverted, you know, Mm -hmm. he was probably didn't mind being in front of a crowd and speaking and Mm -hmm. you knew he had a heart for God. And so he was unashamed in that he was, I mean, scripture tells us he was nice to look at and all that kind of stuff, you know? And so 
Jesus doesn't come in on the scene like that. Yeah. Jesus doesn't come in. I mean, he talks about scripture talks about, and I think that's a prophecy that he's, uh, he comes in as this unassuming, nobody would mm-hmm. ever have chosen him. He's yeah. rough because he's been a carpenter for amount of mm-hmm. years, probably has a finger or two missing and has scarred hands and maybe even scars and, you know, his arms and all the kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's just rough and tumble and all yeah. that kind of stuff because well, and, of the way he's lived before that. And something interesting that uh, Haley mentioned last week, if you've not heard it, uh, but she was talking about how Matthew uses the word Nazareth and mm-hmm. uh, it, it has implications for basically saying that Jesus was from the sticks. Yep. He, he was he was from and that's, the wrong yeah. part of town, yeah. and that's right. that's where we get our our idiom, way out in the sticks, you know, from the word that Matthew chose to use for Nazareth because it was this oh. this combination of words. Oh. I, I'm he gonna have to smart people up around here. I'm telling you, really smart. Yeah. That's why so, I'm being quiet most of this one. I'm just I'm taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that. The, the people in the temples probably listened to mm-hmm. and, and read from Isaiah often. Actually, probably uh, is, is talked about more than anything else that Isaiah was the scrolls that were, written, were read more often, which is why when we read chapter 61, which you already mentioned, mm-hmm. when Jesus comes in and he picks up that Isaiah scroll yeah. and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, mm-hmm. all those chapters that we just talked about of 43 and 53 and all that kind of stuff of the who the Messiah is to be, who this, the final servant is going to be. Jesus comes in and says, Hey, it's me. It's me. It's me. I'm going to even read from the prophet Isaiah right. and declare uh-huh. that those words are true in right, your right, hearing right. at this moment, mm-hmm. what you're, you've been waiting for of the servant. Yeah. It's me. And, and, and in doing so he did what CS Lewis described so beautifully. He said, you know, Jesus left no room for this good teacher, good example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's either a liar and the devil himself. Mm-hmm. He's either a madman or he is who he says he is. Yeah. Because right. he, the the audacity of that claim, that mm-hmm. it, it, it he leaves no middle ground. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and you have to do something. Right. You, you can't ignore Jesus of Nazareth because of that statement. Mm-hmm. You got to do something with it. Well, that's why the Pharisees, like at that moment. They hated him. Yeah. And they were they started to go, we right. need to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Because what they thought mm-hmm. was he had this audacious guy who is c- claiming to right, fulfill all right. these things that we've been waiting for and that he is also God. Mm-mm. But false, false prophet. We need to get rid of that. Do you think maybe at the same time, though, the Pharisees are like, oh, goodness gracious, here comes another one, <laughs> another lunatic, because Jesus uh, was not the first no, I think Messiah. Here's, here's, he was the Messiah. But here's what I here's what I think. Yeah, he wasn't the first one claiming to be. Yeah, there were lots but, of false ones. But, but here, here's what I think. I don't think any of the other ones went this far. Oh no! I think uh, I think he stepped so far over the line. Mm-hmm. He didn't leave any room, and you know, so so we make this assumption: all the Pharisees hated him. Mm-hmm. No, they not there all were, they, they, there were a lot of them that actually became his followers. That's true. Yeah, absolutely, that is true. Um, the 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 gospel writers tend to paint the Pharisees with a very mm-hmm. broad brush yep. and in a fairly negative light. Yeah, and and let's not forget that Jesus loved. The Pharisees, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, just as he loved everyone, right? 
so he, he, he was trying to get them to see, look, yeah. this is, that's, that's, you know, if you have ears and mm-hmm. eyes yep. hear and see, but at the end of the day, they've got to make their own decision about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a powerful thought to think along the lines of what you're saying here, Chris, that Jesus left no room for being wishy-washy on it. Zero room for middle ground. And and you step forward all the way to the book of Revelation and what's the... the, Laodicea. That's the one. Thank you. Um, Where the lukewarm church Mm -hmm. and there there is no room in this Christian life for being a lukewarm church. You are either bought in Mm -hmm. or you're sold out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's like, it's, 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 it's like a marriage, which is, which is a common analogy in the scriptures as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. There is no, well, I'm kind of married. Well, I'm going to come stay here today, but I'm gonna stay somewhere else the next few days. I mean, you, no, you're, you're either you're, married or you're not. Yeah. Right. right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and there's so many other things in life that are like that. You're either in or you're out. Yeah. And, and that's not being harsh. That's just the nature of some yeah. things. Mm-hmm. By default, what they are mm-hmm. is you're you're in or you're out. Yeah. Right? And Jesus with these prophecies is saying, This is what God is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in or out. And, and yeah. I want you all in. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 that's why when we get to later on, Jesus' depictions of judgment are saying, the king has thrown open the doors, he's opened the gates, he's set the banquet table, and the people who are supposed to be here refuse to come. Yeah. So guess mm-hmm. what? I'm gonna go invite everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we start the banquet, I'm shutting the doors on y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's some harsh stuff. It is. It is. So, but we've got a lot to look forward to, uh, even still today. Not just in our readings, but in in our own walks with God and our own mm-hmm. growing closer and deeper into that relationship with Jesus, both communally and individually, mm-hmm. there, there's a ton for us to look forward to. And all we have to do is look to the words of the prophets. Look hear to the words. and listen. Yeah. You, you hear and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm excited for where we're headed in this reading plan because it's, I don't know, it's just going to take us, I, my hope for those of us who are reading along and, and, and keeping up is that it really is going to deepen your relationship with God mm-hmm. and to really, I don't know, put some more meat on the bones yep. of this often skeletal faith that we have. Uh, and so we can then fully live into the people that God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is really following Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'm just I'm excited, and this has been a great <laughs> conversation today. Uh, I would add one more thing. Yes, do so, and then we we can be done. The I think the beauty about chapter sixty one of Isaiah mm-hmm. is Jesus picks up the scroll and he reads it and he declares it of himself in that space, but. It also is scripture that God declares over us. Yeah. You know, this, mm-hmm. I, if you read chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's upon you because the Lord has anointed me and has anointed you 
to bind to has sent me to bring the good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And you could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. This is what God has called us as the people of God to, you know, Jesus was the one who had to stand in the gap and be the sacrifice for us. But now the Holy Spirit dwells within us mm-hmm. and we proclaim these words as well. We pick up this scroll and say, this is, mm-hmm. we are the ones. Yeah. In, we, we are fulfilling right now. Mm-hmm. If we are truly trying to live as people of God, this is our call. Mm-hmm. This is our call. I mean, yeah. we, we do this, God does the work, but right. we have the responsibility to proclaim the Lord to the people. Yeah. And that sets people free, mm-hmm. right? That's well, the and, call. And it's so interesting that this written before Jesus came and now Jesus reads it as he's Mm -hmm. walking around on earth and we can now read it in retrospective, Mm -hmm. but we don't read it looking backwards. Nope. Because we can still read these words Mm -hmm. looking forwards Mm -hmm. of what God will continue to do. And eventually, you know, New Jerusalem and all that stuff, fully accomplish. Yep. You know. So yeah, it's already done. But it's not yet. That's right. It's, it's that that concept of already not yet. That's so right. we've got work to do. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. So quit quit sitting around and get up mm-hmm. and do. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is this has been very encouraging for me. Uh, and I hope you listening out there have found it very encouraging for you as well. Uh, and as always, if you have any questions or any thoughts, just because the email address says askgoingdeeper at gmail.com doesn't mean you have to ask us a question. <laughs> uh, if you have a thought, if you have something that you would like to see us maybe flesh out a little bit more in one of our Q&A sessions, sure. uh, send a question, but also just send a comment. You know, Let us know how this this reading plan this week specifically has helped shape your view of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will continue to do in your life. Uh, And definitely subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, Wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you watch this, Subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, because that really is the best way that uh, other people will get to see this content. And I don't know if you're like me. I think this is worth other people seeing because, you know, it's uh, there's powerful stuff that's happening here in this room, I believe, uh, as, as we dig in and we talk about the word of the Lord. But with that, I don't have anything else to add to it. So thank you all for, thank you, Becky, specifically for all your work in putting notes together right. from Sandy Richter. From Sandy Richter. Uh-huh. I'll just thank, thank Sandy and, Richter. This and, episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dr. Sandy Richter. <laughs> and, and Chris, the, the, the thought-provoking questions that you have for us always, mm-hmm. I, I, I do appreciate those as well. So with that, I guess I'll say see you next week and thanks for listening.